Zucchini and Fagan, Nixon's resignation, we respond to a letter from a listener, Robert Reich's survival guide for 2018. This and more on The Leftscape. Wendy Sheridan, and you're listening to The Leftscape. Hi, I'm Robin Renee. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley, and I just wanted to let you know that you can find us uh, our website at leftscape.com, and if you want to Twitter us or or um, Instagram us or Facebook us, we're all at Leftscape. And uh, oh, and make sure if you like what you're hearing that you leave us, leave us a review on iTunes because that really helps us a lot. Five stars, Thanks. five stars. <laughs> yeah, five stars. So this week, or the first full week of August is National Psychic Week. Uh, um, we should have known that was coming. I, I had a feeling, I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's also uh, Assistance Dog Week, which is cool. So uh, shout out to Permit Pete. Yeah, yes. he might he might disagree, but uh, too bad. <laughs> and it's also National Fraud Awareness Week. So uh, watch yeah. out for that. Yeah. I hope all the psychics can foresee that the frauds are happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And National Happiness Happens Day. Is, that sounds like a good one. That's August 8th, yes? That's when yes. the show goes live today. Um, mm-hmm. ha- that, that happiness happens, not just that it's happiness day, but it's happiness happens day. Um, what's the difference? <laughs> uh, I guess it's the acknowledgement of happiness. I want to go to a happiness happening. And it's National Sneak Some Zucchini Onto Your Neighbor's Porch Day. I think I think Wendy might be busy. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I did that last month because that's when the zucchini came in, and I and I think by next by you know the, the today I kind of the zucchini plants are kind of um, giving it up. They're they're not as prolific as they were in July and I'm actually kind of glad about that because everybody's looking at me like you really I can't do any more zucchini from you <laughs> I'm not glad because I would love to take some more the one I had was yeah. delicious so thank you I'm, I'm a little, little well, disappointed that there's not going to be more zucchini in the future well there will be zucchini will be. abundance next year definitely um and and Robin no, you were year, saying you made week. you made that fakin that I saw that I think you posted actually that was supposedly for eggplant right and I am I'm a I'm very weird about my eggplant like some I love but I have to it has to be cooked in a very specific way so anyway I have a zucchini so let me try those that that flavor profile it was a really good sauce to to put on baked zucchini and make sort of thin slices and I didn't try to put it on a sandwich like a 
ZLT, but um, <laughs> it was it was just really good. I have some more actually, so I'm going to make it again. Just, just to make clear, this is something we saw on Facebook that was a recipe for making fake bacon out of eggplant. Right. Right. Yes. So, so it was vegetarian bacon. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why and I call it work with bacon. Work with zucchini. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. I just think it's really cool that it's International Cat Day. As a matter of fact, Jaja just told me it was. Jaja's very proud. She wants a cake. (laughs) A cat food cake. Very cool. And I'm the the tennis head of the group, so I just want to say happy birthday to Roger Federer. And um, that's pretty cool. I'm glad to uh, wish you good wishes and good matches. All right. And many more birthdays. On this day in 1974, President Nixon announced that he will resign at 12 p.m. the next day. And just listening to all of the news about our current administ- our current sitting president, I keep my fingers crossed that we're going to have a similar announcement. Um, mm from from that guy but i'm i'm keeping my fingers crossed but i'm not holding my breath so (laughs) well Mm. we you know that shakespeare said the past becomes prologue and in 1945 the ussr established a communist government in north korea so they're all about lending a hand to other countries to reestablish their government. And uh, maybe that's happening again, too. Wow. Well, also on this day in 1925, there was the first national march of the Ku Klux Klan in Washington, D.C. It was 200,000 people, which is wow. shocking. And that's- uh, let's... Let's not have that happen again. No, I got a shiver up my spine, and it wasn't a good one. Yeah. Uh, You know, I have a friend from North Carolina, and she and she we used to do Shakespeare together. And one day, she was telling me that when she was a kid, the the family used to go on barbecues, and she thought, "Oh, this is really fun. It's a community barbecue." But why are all the guys wearing these white hoods? Oh my God! She, she didn't realize that. I mean, she was just raised that this was the family thing. That the family went out to this big barbecue and everybody put on hoods. North Carolina. Scarics. Yikes! Yikes! So last week we we didn't do news, um, and I think that was because. So I know I was still high. I I was very blanket forty last week because it was just, I don't know, life was just overwhelming me. Um, but Yeah, like, well, I, I didn't exactly, I don't think I was hiding, but I, I was in that um, overwhelmed feeling. And it kind of really scared me after the fact that I really got into that state where so much was happening so fast that I just couldn't re- register any of it as any particular event somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I don't want to have happen in, in our current climate. I want to really be able to stay aware of what's going on. And so, um, yeah, a lot happened, actually, that we couldn't even doesn't quite articulate. Seem, yeah, doesn't it seem like more happens every day than used to? Like, it used to be there was a big thing every week. 
and now it's every day. Right, and things that used to be big news are just not really, you know. And things that aren't big news are blown up Happy. out of all yeah. proportion. I think that must be it. So what were some of the things we had? We had um, 45 said that he didn't actually uh, side with Putin in Helsinki, which was just sort of a blatant reversal of what was actually said. But and it was, no, it was, was yeah, and his wood and his wooden. All right, what all was right. it, the little bit of the video that they didn't publish right away because it changed the context oh. of everything they were saying? They, they edited the official uh, transcript. The transcript and, and the video, ed- yeah. And, and that's video, huge, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that, that more than anything, that that's huge in showing what it is they think they can get away with and, and how they think we're stupid. Mm. You, the video was out there. We all heard it multiple times. And then oh, and then he was, and, and then he was trying to gaslight the whole country. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have yeah. it in news. I think we've got some gaslighting items. Oh yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, and and uh, Maria Bettina was jailed, and the um, oh the the I, the idea that Trump had definitely been briefed about the Russian meddling, so to speak, before inauguration came out. Yeah, for that's sure. This is why this is why the whole Nixon thing and the timing of it um, is exciting to me, and it kind of informs me that like the the gears of government move at this kind of pace because Mm. all of Nixon's shit happened during his campaign as well and it took Mm -hmm. over a year for them to get their act together to get rid of him that's interesting and that's good to remember actually it's hard for me to know the whole timeline of when those things happen yeah I, I, I remember Nixon mostly because uh, I came down with pneumonia and I was bedridden during the inauguration of his second term and that was all that was on television Mm. and so I you know later I I took it like as an omen (laughs) sadly I wasn't sick that you'd get that that something bad would happen to Nixon (laughs) okay um Well, I have an actually sort of funny, um, it's not a memory that happened to me, but a, a funny anecdote that a guy that I knew that I, I dated years ago said that he lost his virginity during Nixon's resignation. So, <laughs> because I mean, all of the parents in the entire family were watching TV, so he had his opportunity. <laughs> He and his girlfriend. So I thought that was pretty funny. So you, you will, you, you can't really forget a date and a um, moment like that. So oh, that's that's really funny. Yeah, I was just watching TV with my mom, so I wasn't doing anything so exciting. But it's memorable. I just remember him him going, "I am not a crook." You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of reminds me of there was no collusion. So. <laughs> <laughs> So what else is on this week? Oh, so I read uh, over the weekend that Bob Woodward, going back to Watergate, um, this is all all coming around full circle. So Bob Woodward's going to be releasing a book on September 11th of this year, and I'm sure that date is not 
randomly chosen by the publisher um, and it's called Fear and it's a very in-depth and detailed look inside of 45's White House and wow. I'm still debating about whether I'm going to actually buy the book or if I'm just going to go to the library and get on the, the waiting list to read it because you know that book's going to be checked out constantly. Um, Fear? Fear. It's, called Fear. it's called Fear. And there's some subtitle that I don't remember what it is. Mm. Um, <laughs> of all the books that have been coming out about this, I think I do want to check that one out. That yeah, sounds... exactly. I, there's been a few. Um, and yeah, yeah I don't know. Spend a lot of money on books. I always spend a lot of money on books. Yeah. <laughs> well, this well, whole idea of the gaslighting the, in general, though, it's just driving me crazy. I still feel like I'm in that funk that we were in last week. I still am because I'm listening to these things that are popping up on the, the um, every day on the news, and I'm saying, didn't that happen last week too? You know, it's uh, Rudy Giuliani coming out and saying stupid stuff and clashing against what uh, 45 has been saying, and it's uh, and 45 always saying these things that are blatant lies that we all know are lies, and he keeps thinking if he says it enough, we'll start to believe him. I, and I think some people are, which is the, the thing to keep in mind. That's a psychological thing. If you keep and and I think was it satirists and writers over the last couple hundred years have been saying if you repeat a lie long enough, people believe it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's true. And, and I, I think, think it was, was actually very. Um, it's a it's a very obvious statement that he said in his speech in Kansas City that what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. It was sort of the most blatant. That's like the definition expression of expression of it. Yeah, and that's that really stuck out to me this week. And what Rudy Giuliani was saying on TV was like, well, collusion is not a crime, or I'm not sure that collusion is even a crime, and things like that. And that's sort of, it's, um, it's obscuring what's happening. It's, it's not exactly as clearly blatant a lie, but it's, it's another form of it in the sense that the collusion is not on the books literally as a crime. It's a, it's a... It's, it's a, a word that it's a descriptive word that's not a literal legal term, but that doesn't mean that crimes haven't happened. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. So he's using that weapon of confusion. Exactly. Yeah. To just keep keep us all confused about. <laughs> Excuse me. What is going on? Mm -hmm. And that's what made me feel like it's really important to start putting out more information about what gaslighting is and how it happens because i think one of the functions of it is that you don't actually recognize it when it's happening and then you just wind up feeling kind of confused and kind of i'm not really sure what happened i don't really remember or i think it must be this if that's what you say you know that's sort of how you wind up getting mixed up like that do you think there's a lot of people who do that i know for sure that in personal relationships that happens that is a gaslighting thing that happens in one-to-one in -one -one relationships very easily, unfortunately, if you're in an abusive relationship. And I kind of feel like that's where we're at in a national slash international space right now. Absolutely. We are in an you know? abusive relationship <laughs> in, yeah. at, on a national level. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's easy for the news cycle to 
sort of fall into it, where there's so much happening, or so they're just sort of chasing the most recent statement, as opposed to stepping back and looking at the big picture and saying, wait a minute, this is this has really changed in its tone or what's been said over the last six months or a year. Like the news cycles don't really do that. So I think it is easy for people to just fall into the latest thing that was said and believe that, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that strikes me when, when I try to step back and look at this is, for one thing, from the beginning of this administration, the, the tendency to hold rallies that, that rallies that were just like the rallies during the election. I was thinking, wait a second, is he still running for president? He's yeah, already he is. president. He is but running. It, it, He's still and, running. He's running for 2020. Yeah, yeah but, but also it's because that's his base and those same people, that there's this whole chunk of the population that buy into it so much and they, they get, uh, the gaslighting, or they don't even need the gaslighting because they've already chosen that they like him, so they choose to believe what he's saying. And, and that's a choice. But then there's another segment of the population who doesn't know what to think, and the gaslighting is working on them. So. Well, I also but think some of those rallies, he does that because, you know, he gets a boner from it or some shit. Yeah, really, about, he, about he, his ego thing, yeah. requires this constant feeding yeah. that he gets from these things. It's yeah. easier for me to think about his ego rather than his boner. So let's not say sorry. that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's not think about that. <laughs> and there is some nice news, actually this week um i went to see won't you be my neighbor this weekend oh and it was at first i felt really kind of corny i'm like you know i never go see movies but i really want to go see this documentary about mr rogers you know and it was great and it turns out that it is now the top grossing biographical documentary ever awesome that's great yeah and it was quite it wasn't a full theater but it was, there were a lot of people there to see it on a Sunday afternoon, um, and my takeaway from it is really that there are genuinely good people in the world, and there are exceptional people who will do all they can to teach about love and be adamant about that all their lives, and that's really what he did. Um, it's funny to look back when I was a little kid and just watching things and not realizing how, how much impact they would have, or, mm -hmm. or even in culturally, how he was teaching against racism and teaching just people have experiencing kindness and knowing that they're loved is a huge thing. And some people, there were a couple dissenters in the documentary who said that he's the reason why we have this nation full of narcissists now because he taught everyone that they're special and they don't even have to do anything to be special and they just deserve everything. And it was like, it was a very weird thing. I like how, how do you? I don't think so. But it was it was interesting to see um, how even kindness and love is met with such a level of suspicion. Um, but I'm glad that he existed and he was really did a lot more than you ever imagined. So I think a lot of people think of him as this corny guy who was a, did a kid show. But it I think it mattered and it reminds me that there are more people in the world like that. 
Do you think that if he came along today, if a new Mr. Rogers came along today and started a show like that, do you think he'd be able to, um, did, would people uh, take him the same way? Or would they be suspicious? I think it would have to be incredibly different. You know, that even at that time, the pace of his show was a lot slower and a lot more deliberate and, and conversational. Yeah. Um, so that was a step back from even Sesame Street with like quick like cartoons and little skits and things. So how he would do it today, I'm not sure. We'd probably have to look pretty different. Um, people are a lot more cynical in general, I would say. I don't know, but they were sort of speculating and his, his widow was saying, what would he, do today, and she thought he might, he would really have to make some political statements about what's happening. And it would be very uncharacteristic of him because he never wanted to really wade into that political scheme like as overtly, but it would kind of be necessary. So what his exact message would be today, I don't, I don't know. We got a letter from my dear friend, Melanie Sinclair, and I'm really, really grateful for it. It really took um, a listen to our first episode and called us out on some things that we hadn't even realized we were saying or being heard as. So I'm going to read just a little bit of it. Well, most of her letter, I'll say, um, starting here. <laughs> so um, Melanie said, I want to discuss with you one point you guys made that I feel needs looking at it in a different way. You stated that online activism was not activism, and that I have to challenge. Y'all forget the privileged middle class place you're coming from. Many American people, mostly women, frankly, are nowhere near middle class. They must work hours, their employment dictates, multiple jobs, I have done that, and can't afford to miss work to go to a protest because they need a roof to feed their kids, pay the light bill. Every day there was a march, I was expected to be at work. I work nights, I work weekends. Most jobs these days can fire you at will, mine can. I have PTO, but it doesn't pay me extra, the extra hour I get every night staying later, and I don't get tips. Online activism is all I and many people have. Please don't dismiss it as worthless. And then she went on to say, I'm done beating myself up for not having the energy to do more than I already do. And she wants to hear our side. Well, I, I first, I really appreciate the feedback um, because, you know, when you're in, I, I keep trying to work on uh, recognizing and acknowledging my privilege where it is and, you know, stepping aside and making space for people with less privilege. Um, and, and I really appreciate when I'm called out on it because I'm not necessarily, I'm not aware, you know, um, and in, and I don't know that I want to defend my position, but I think which, which I haven't re-listened to the first episode, so I don't remember exactly what it was that I or, or we said about this, but when I was talking about online activism, I was limiting my, in my head, I'm thinking of like those move on, uh, 
polls that or or petitions that you're writing to for for a billion different things and um from what i had my research you know years ago i had discovered that people in power don't really pay attention to online polls or online uh protest uh, i can't even remember but petitions that's the word <laughs> Um, and that's kind of what I was thinking of when I was saying online activism. That's what I was thinking of these mm -hmm. online petitions. Mm -hmm. um, so somebody else talk for a second. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk, talk because I, I, have I have not, not gone, gone back, back and listened listen. to the first one. I mean, I listened a while ago. And I really, I'm not quite sure that we actually said this or if, if we all said this. I know I didn't say it because I am not... Uh, I am in the same boat. I, I work three jobs. I have very little time to go to any kind of protest, and online activism seems to be the only thing I can do or a lot of the time. But And I don't think it's worthless in that even if, um, even if the powers that be don't look at the petitions, it's the person signing the petition, putting your name down on the petition, gets you um, committed to something, to th at least thinking about it, and it, it uh, fulfills something in you, but also it, it uh, makes you committed to doing something in the future. It's like a start. And there's, uh, so I'm agreeing with her uh, 100% that uh, this is something that she can do, this is something that I can do, um, I don't think we're all in agreement that it's worthless. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about, about this, this, and, and I, I did respond to this letter personally, personally right, right away. away. And, and I'm really, really appreciating this conversation, conversation with all of us as well. well. What, what we, we were, were saying, saying in the first episode was that we felt complacent. I think there was a point where we had our previous podcast and we weren't doing that anymore and, and we were sort of all scattered doing our own things and then this election happened and it was devastating to all of us and then we were like we need to get off our asses and do something and i think our um impression of what had been happening was that we weren't personally doing enough in various ways and that we needed to do some things and for, for those, those of us, us who are able, able to go out and be in the street, street and do protesting and, and, and showing up and going to meetings and things like that, I think we felt we need to start doing more of that or somehow connect with other people and band our efforts together. Um, so I, I apologize for the laziness of our expression of that because I think that's part of it that we, we were saying um, we, we could, could be, be doing, doing more, more and we sort of conflated, conflated that with everybody. anybody who's just doing, or I mean, at least it sounded like anybody who's just doing X isn't doing enough. And I think, yeah. I think that's, that, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, I it's, I, and I really, we should have listened to the first episode again. And, and this could be because I felt I could be doing more than just retweeting and resharing on Facebook and doing all this other, you know, just sitting at the computer, clicking like and share and like and share and retweet, 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 um, that it wasn't enough for me. 
that I needed to put more energy into other things. And I think, you know, doing this podcast at all is, is one of our forms of activism that we're doing. Um, our shouting into the void, as you will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's kind of, I think, I, I, I kind of, once you said that, that kind of, I think that's really what I was meaning, that it was a more of a, a personal thing that, that and, and I am very guilty of, of being in the mindset that wherever, whatever is going on in my head, everybody else feels or does the same thing or has the same abilities. And, and I'm always surprising myself when I realize that, oh, not everybody is me <laughs> in another form, <laughs> you know, in another body. It, it's, you know, um, it's like, how, how can you not like King Crimson? I like King Crimson, you know. We could have a, we could have a frog debate for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, well, that, that'll be, that'll be the straw that ruins our friendship as well. Frog rock. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was thinking about this too, and there's, uh, let me start with saying that I started to think about it and there are a lot of things that are really um, effective and important that one can do online and especially because we live so much online these days that it's not nothing. I think, I think some of us old heads might have the idea that, oh, online is just, that's just online, it's not real life. But it is a big part of real life because where do we spend a lot of our time, you know? Yeah. And it's, so a couple of things I thought is that posting accurate information is a huge thing because so much that's out there is bullshit or expressed in an extreme way or even if it's something that you believe it could be um, spun, spun in a way that doesn't, doesn't actually help people to hear it or things like that. So if you can find accurate information from good sources and you want to post something, I think that's great. Um, I don't know about the effectiveness of online petitions. I've heard that they're less effective than a lot of other things you could do. So that's something to just explore a little bit, I think. Um, but even finding an online group that's having constructive conversations and about affecting change whether they're, you know, they're going out, some people, some of the people might be going out into the world and doing things or running for office or protesting or, or just writing or being online, whatever that's happening there, um, just expressing and having constructive conversation, I think is amazing. Um, and what can you do? Oh, ResistBot is another thing that's not online, but it's, it's, it's texting. It's a text, text activism, activism thing that's, that's simple and pretty easy, and it actually puts a piece of paper in your representative's offices, which is great, because it sends it fax. Oh, it does it? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. So I, I like that idea, because it's something you can do that's simple, and it could be brief, but it actually, it puts an actual object in their yeah. space, which I think plus, gets more sway. Plus, it, it sets the... the, the the letter, the letter that you're faxing, it sets it all up as a letter. It's kind of automatically um, <laughs> puts a heading and everything. And you know, when you register, you put your name, your address, and stuff like that. So into it in the first place. So it goes you, each time you use it, you you might just give the little message that you want to do, but it will send it as a formal letter. And how do you get ResistBot? What do you you type? You text 
pound. It's a five-digit something. It's a five-digit five code that I can find and put on our uh, on our site. Okay. Go, but it's, go, go, go into apps first and, and find find the app for ResistBot and it's load not it onto an, your phone. It's not an app. It's not. It's, no, it's it's something you. It's a number you text. Yes. 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 But, but but you have, you to, have get to get it into your phone, phone in the first place. place. Right from the te from texting, and I'm looking it up well, right now. Resist. Yeah. yeah. Um. But anyway, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Figure out what to do. It's not. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. You text the word resist in all caps to ResistBot on Telegram, Messenger, Twitter, or to 50409 on SMS. That's your any text application that you have. And mm -hmm. the bot itself from your phone number, I'm guessing, uh, finds out who is your representative in Congress and delivers your messages to them in under two minutes. No downloads or apps required. Ah, oh, okay, okay, that's, that's good. good. So yes. that's, Seven. it's not an online thing, but since you, if you have a, a, a cell phone that does texting, you can do this. So. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a couple other, okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that's, I, I do it, <laughs> I, do I do it from, from work. work. <laughs> I do it while I'm uh, commuting back and forth from work, I, I text. Um, well, you don't drive though, don't text and drive. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't drive. That's I my PSA for the, the episode. Because I see I'm so not middle class. I don't even have a car. I have to take public transportation. So. Mm. Um, a couple of other things I was thinking about this topic is that some of the things that we can do that are not online but are not, that don't take an enormous amount of time are just conversations with friends and speaking up when we hear unfair characterizations or hear some injustice or whatever and just being the people to say something and this is a part where I am not always good and that's I want to do an episode about this sometime about you know what and if we have the energy you know it, it always depends on what you can do on that particular day but you know just the simple things that we can do uh, in conversation with real people that we know can can be huge you know in fact in Melanie's case I happen to know that Melanie hails from El Paso Texas and I think it would be amazing to hear from her about what a border town is really like and you know a lot of people have opinions all around the country but I think she would have things to say about it that a, a lot of us can just guess about you know and I think that's that's awesome and using your voice to talk about like real life shit that you know about I think is great and I guess we all have our unique um experiences that we can bring to that and this is the part where I am not always great because when I hear something that I feel like I want to contest or just or just even quietly put my own voice into sometimes I don't because I feel like I'm better in writing or better at a distance in some way or just or just, I'm just scared. And I want to get better at that. That's something I'm working on. Which leads to, I think, what I may I have probably also was thinking about in that first episode, that I think sometimes some of us use online activity to kind of easily satisfy what we could be doing more about. 
for example, if you just if you're if you're pissed off about something like we, you could maybe some of us could go out and vote or do something or say more, but just clicking like it's kind of satisfies that need or that needling idea that oh we really should be doing something, and then it kind of lets you off the hook, and that's that's a different thing than saying online has no value. It's saying that sometimes at least I've noticed this for myself. I want to, I have this, this, this idea that I really want to be doing something better or more or something. And then I do the very easiest thing and I feel like, oh, okay, I'm okay now. And it's more about me feeling okay with myself than really doing something. Does that make any sense? Yeah. You guys? Yeah. It's your, I, yeah, that's, it's an easy pattern to fall into. And I am guilty of that as well. Or I, I'm trying to be less guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, I go, and I it's, it's with definitely cyclical. Too. It's definitely cyclical. Um, yeah. and hence the blanket fort. Um, yeah. You know, because if I'm in the blanket fort, I can be on my phone and on Facebook in the blanket fort. Although sometimes you even have to get off of Facebook because it's just too much. And because uh, it's like, yeah, you read a post from somebody and then like, it's like before you share it, it's like if you don't fact check it and it's bullshit and then one of your friends calls you out saying, hey, this is a bullshit post. It's like, oh, God damn it. So then you don't want to post anything. And <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's fraught. Life is fraught with this, with pitfalls. And yeah. And as a creative <laughs> artist, I noticed that, that phenomenon, phenomenon too. too. Like sometimes, sometimes the, the hard, hard work, work is, 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 is really, really creating, creating something or making something or speaking truth in some some way but But the easy thing is to post something on instagram Instagram, and all of a sudden you have like 25 likes likes, and i'm like oh they they like me okay (laughs) and it satisfies satisfies some some little part of that that and it's not complete obviously but it's it helps me to not do my work sometimes so that's the downside of online life that i'm working to to get to and it doesn't you know it's a, di- it's a big, big difference, difference between, between that and someone, someone who, for health reasons or for economic, economic reasons or for whatever, whatever is, that's, that's what, what their activity of the day can be. And if that's, that's what it is, then that's, that's awesome. awesome. And you can, you can have impact there. And I want to be able to discern for myself when I'm doing something because it's authentic and when I'm doing something because it's, it's, it's a, a cop, cop out, out in that, in that moment, moment for yeah, whatever, whatever reason. reason. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to be better at not assuming everyone has the same ability in any aspect of their lives as I do. And you just with, start with from there. And, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to make these assumptions anymore. Or I'm going to yeah. work towards not making these assumptions anymore. So that is good you, work. work. Me, me too. too. Thank, thank you. you very much for the letter. We really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Hi, I'm Robin Renee, and you can find me online at robinrenee.com. My music is pretty much all over the web. You can find me on iTunes and CD Baby and wherever you like to download music. 
I have a show on Friday, August 10th at Root Studio at 9140 Guilford Road in Columbia, Maryland. It is a really fun, eclectic night of acoustic music and spoken word. So if you are in the area, it would be great to see you. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and Other Fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. Over 30 original illustrations to color, printed on 80-pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed-through with alcohol-based markers like Sharpies. Spiral-bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. We have been uh, very much supported by Fifth Band Pop, which is a great pop culture website that is based in Toronto. And I sometimes write for them. I've done you know various articles over the years with them. And one of the things that's been really cool lately is that we've been given the space to write a little blurb about each one of our shows for the Leftscape every week, um, which has been really, really helpful. And the um, founder and the producer, producer, is that the word? Publisher. <laughs> Publisher, that's the word. Of, of, of Biff Bam Pop, Andy Burns has a book coming out and it is called This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. And it sounds really cool. And uh, just, you know, talking about the cultural influence of that work for over this period of time. And he's a really brilliant guy and a very cool guy. Um, so I'm looking forward to this coming out. It's coming out in November. Um, however, there are, they're accepting um, pre-sales right now and you can get a signed limited edition hardcover copy, which I hear are going quickly. So if you want to check it out, that is at cemeterydance.com slash this dark chest the stand well you know what go to the website <laughs> go to the website cemeterydance.com and search for this dark chest of wonders and that we hope to have him on the show soon too because i'd love to hear him talk a lot more about this we'll also have his work in general we'll also have a link on uh on our podcast uh post page on our website too absolutely so I, I haven't seen or read The Stand. Um, I think actually I might have seen the miniseries if there was one. Um, reading it is another experience, though. Oh, I know. Reading. And, and it's a really thick book. All of Stephen King's books are thick. Yeah. This is thicker. And I did read it, and it really got, got into my psyche. psyche. Every, every time, time I get a cold now, every, every winter, winter when, when I get a cold, cold and my, my nose starts to run, run I think, uh-oh, am I going to be on the stand now? Am I going to, am I getting this disease? Or when I go through Holland Tunnel or the Lincoln Tunnel, because people, people were dying, dying in the tunnel, tunnel and people, people were climbing over cars in the tunnel. Spoiler. Always think of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well, been it's around been for 40 years. You haven't, I haven't read it. Read it. <laughs> I, not that I'm going to, but whatever you're telling me about it isn't like making a real good case for me to go pick it up and read it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I mean, the man I read, I've read, what did I read his book on writing? He, it's Stephen King on writing, which. Oh, I, oh, heard, I that heard that was, that good. was good. It's a- amazing. It's awesome. And it informs you as to why he writes horror. Uh, Cause I think a lot of his childhood was just horrible. Um, <laughs> with like, mm-hmm. well, dot, well, I think just the, the one anecdote he talks about in the book is is the host of doctors who kept saying this isn't going to hurt and then it hurt like hell so yeah. you know so i guess it really gets you to trust doctors number one and number two is just when you have a lot of physical pain as a child i i'm assuming it it kind of heads you into that horror area um and i read 11 which was another you know paper uh, like doorstop kind of a book it was like 900 pages or over i don't even remember how many pages it was but it was one of these ones where it's written so well you can't put the damn thing down so it's like give up your life for however many days it gets you to get through that many pages um it was very good but i'm just not into horror uh 63 was about the kennedy assassination and kind of got a little science fictiony so it was really interesting uh and it was really really interesting the way he um portrayed oswald so mm-hmm. you know interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah i am I not a uh, read. Okay. <laughs> right. we're both saying the same thing i haven't read any other stephen king the stand is the only one i read and that was enough for me i mean it was really good but i'm not a horror fan so i that you know what i'm scarred already i'm scarred <laughs> well i am interested in cultural impact of things so sometimes things that i don't know about i want to learn about if they have had this sort of underlying influence Influence on other works and 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 people people over time time. so that's that's my interest in this book and i think that's one of the things i'm gonna want to ask andy about about when i get a chance to sit and talk with him so i hope we can do that soon yeah that'd be cool so this week uh because this was floating around facebook the other day um these are suggestions from Robert Reich for 2018. I think he published this in January, but since we're in August, we've probably forgotten a lot of this stuff and it's a good reminder every once in a while. Um, The first suggestion that he had is don't use the president's surname, refer as the GOP administration. So- I wonder why that is. Well, it's you want, you don't want to focus the ire onto just the one person because it's not just the one person it's everybody in frickin' congress who's a republican who votes along with all of his things it's the gop administration we want we want to remember that it's the G, it's the party that's doing this to us not just him you know mm-hmm. it's not just trump it's pence it's mcconnell it's ryan it's it's all of them it's and, you know, and, it's, and it's the, the cultural, cultural attitudes, attitudes that, that have led to their, their rise right. so right. There's, there's a bigger there's, there's a bigger, bigger problem. problem it's not just, not a, just a one boogeyman. boogeyman it's a gop administration and we can't forget that um and the, and the second point 
he has is remember this is a regime and he's not acting alone which i guess also informs the first point because and what i just said it's it's not just him it's him and everyone helping him and supporting him and his actions and uh, number three is do not argue with those who support him it doesn't work and that's i agree with that, with that. You don't agree? Or you I do. do. No, I, I do. I feel like, like just generating, generating us against them, them loggerheads doesn't, 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 doesn't serve, serve anybody's best interest. I'd yeah. rather yeah. not. Yeah. I'd rather step out of that, that battle. battle. Yeah, yeah, plus, plus, plus like what I was saying before is that there are some people that they like him and so they're going to believe in what he's saying just because they like him. They're choosing to go with that. You're not going to change their mind because they already like him. And I forget, I forget that point frequently. Um, luckily, not they're, they're, too much online anymore. I'm not going to yeah. wade into, you know, a, a war in Facebook comments section. Yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and and to, and to what, what I what I meant, I meant to say to just, just now, now too was that some people, people choose from, from an emotional place, place rather than a logical place, place. and they're, they're just, just going to do that because that's how they're wired. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which in a way goes to number four. Yeah. Focus on his policies, not his orangeness and his mental state. Oh, good. Yeah. That's, that's hard. It's really, you know, because, and I try not to do that anyway, because I, because if you, you know, call him, if you're, if you're focusing on his appearance, then you're getting into body shaming and then that's not good for people who aren't him. Because honestly, I don't really care how he feels but I care what, how other people feel about their bodies. And so what, wasn't there, there, was there was a Latin, a Latin term ad hominem that you, you were talking about once in an argument that you turn the, you go yes. away from what the real argument is and start getting personal. Yes. You don't want to do that. No, because it's, yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, number five is keep your message positive. They want the country to be angry and fearful because this is the soil from which their darkest policies grow. That's hard. Mm. That's mm. hard for me because um, I'm a cynical, cranky old woman. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> okay, you obviously haven't spent enough time with me. <laughs> well, I have been thinking about this a little bit. And I would love for us to, and maybe it's a challenge for all of us to start sharing some more constructive posts, like on our Facebook page and in our discussions here. Because I'm sure there, there are things we can find that are more like this, like what can we do to heal ourselves and to do, do what can we do to be doing something positive in the world today? Because we know that there's a lot of shit going on, you know. But a little, adding a little more of the positive, I think, will be is good for everybody. I like that suggestion. I like I it. I, I, I wake, wake up every, every morning, morning feeling like that, that and by 11 o'clock I've been beaten down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm take, gonna us take us all to meditation, meditation retreat. retreat. We'll, we'll see how, see how if that helps us. <laughs> Number six, no more helpless or hopeless talk. Um, I think we've kind of gotten that at least in i mean i there's times when i have those feelings hence the the whole blanket fort concept um but i and maybe maybe now that blanket maybe i've turned blanket 
blanket fort into uh, a, a dog whistle for being hopeless and helpless. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, for me, it's more of like I, I'm kind of overwhelmed and I go, I need to go recharge. Um, I think, I think in general that we, since January, we've definitely got the, the roll up our sleeves and get to work attitude more than being helpless and hopeless. Cause if we were hopeless, we wouldn't be doing this podcast, for example. Um, so, I mean, that's at least an, on, on my pay, on my, in my own personal life, I'm, I'm, I've gotten that message, um, and uh, number seven is is really uh, important to me and a lot of my friends, which is support artists and the arts. Yes, please. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> say this one. enough. Support artists and the arts. We are artists in the arts. Um, those are that's like those are your political cartoons. Those are the things that make you make you laugh instead of crying. Um, they're the things that fill you with with hope for the future and supporting the artists and the arts gives them not only the energy uh, but like if especially if you support the arts and the artists by buying their stuff or going to their shows or joining their patreon or um, you know, giving them either you can give them money or if you, you really can't afford that when you see one of your your friends who is an artist or, a, you know, um, a musician or in any creative thing, reshare their stuff. And I know there's going to be some of my friends are saying, oh, well, so exposure is actually worth something to you. It's like, uh, well, yeah, but not like if somebody who was going to pay us saying, well, you're getting exposure to do this work for us. Um, so, you know, share their things, help them get get known um, and support artists in the arts. And it's <laughs> an important part of communication that I think some parts of the culture decide are not valuable. We only need practical things. And mm -hmm. we need people to express all kinds of things, especially the, the emotions that are really hard right now. So, yeah. and we need money. Artists need, uh, artists, artists need always need, need money, always. <laughs> so so there's, there's, there's that. that. Okay, number eight, be careful not to spread fake news. Check it out first before sharing or posting. And I am guilty of that. I'm guilty of it less now than I used to be because my friends, uh, I have some great fact-checking friends who will call me out on that and then I'll take the post down. Uh, but I really should not be handing that emotional labor over to them or the labor labor of having to go look it up. Um, uh, some, sometimes, sometimes things are not, are not on Snopes. On well, there's um, other places. Where else would you look things up? Uh, well, my Snopes is my main go-to. Um, I think you, you, Poli PolitiFact is another one. Mm -hmm. And you can also find like a, a map, so to speak, of all the different major news outlets and some of the fringe ones and where they stand in terms of how biased they are. And I tend to oh, stay away I've from, even, even if I agree nominally with like the very far left extreme publications, I tend to not share those because they can be, um, they can really twist the truth in ways as well, which 
might mm-hmm. serve a purpose, but might not really be accurate or hel- or helpful in terms of actual discourse. So I try to share things that are sort of in the middle too progressive, certainly, but not crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And number nine is take care of yourselves. Well, and there's where, there's where your, uh, your, your blanket, blanket fort comes, comes in. in. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. on, on every level, take care of yourselves. Um, because it's this is the, the, the metaphor is like the, the oxygen mask that comes down in the plane. It's like you have to put yours on first before you can, before you handle anybody else. Because if you can't take, if you're not taking care of yourself, you will not have the, uh, the energy or the ability to, 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 do, to do anything else. That's right. And number 10 is resist. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at Leftscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. New episodes every Wednesday.